How to cultivate compassion while avoiding compassion fatigue. One of my fellow healthcare workers cared so much about other people that she started experiencing compassion fatigue and eventually developed depression. But compassion is the essence of humanity. You know, you care about other people. And many caring people don't develop that severe symptoms, but they feel overwhelmed caring for others, even though that's the purpose of their life. There is so many benefits of compassion, but do you ever feel that you are getting overwhelmed caring for people or being compassionate for other people? We have two choices. We can either stop being compassionate because of the fear of burnout or create balance between self-compassion and compassion for others. So let's talk about compassion with a balance today. If you would like to learn ways to cultivate compassion without compassion fatigue, then give us a thumbs up. Welcome to Happy and Healthy Mind. If this is the first time you're joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina. I specialize in treatment of stress, anxiety, and depression. Over the last 20 years, I have been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I believe that a lot of suffering could be prevented by simple mind training. Therefore, I started this program where we share practical tips for your mental fitness so you don't have to suffer unnecessarily. The purpose of this program is educational, and therefore I would recommend to consult your healthcare professional for any treatment advice. Our mission is to bring health and happiness to more than a million people. So if you find value, please share, like, and subscribe so more people could live happier and healthier lives. Thank you everyone for joining us today. I'm sure you learned a lot from today's session. If you're joining us for the first time, let me tell you, I'm your host, Dr. Meli, and with me today is Dr. Rosina Lakhani. Hello, Dr. Rosina. Hi. These interviews are broadcasted live every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you are joining us live and if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the comments. If you would like to get the resources shared during the program or get future reminders, just send joyful to 38470. If you're joining us from outside US, you can still get all the resource links on our Facebook page, which is Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina. We will give the description in the link below. So Dr. Rosina, why did you choose this topic? Well, in my practice, I have seen both extremes. I've seen people who get so wrapped up within themselves that they don't care about anybody else. That leads to depression, that leads to narcissism. Did you know that the level of narcissism is highest at this time in our colleges? Because we have so much focus on being better than other or there's so much bullying going on because people are trying to establish their own self-esteem and putting people, other people down to feel good about themselves. So there's a lot of negatives that happen because of that extreme. On the other hand, I've also seen a lot of compassionate people, caring people who care about others so much that in that process, they forget about themselves. 
And then the time comes when they are so overwhelmed and so burnt out that they become irritated. They become snappy. They start feeling caring for others as a burden. And then they start becoming depressed. And so like your friend that we were talking about earlier, we want to have this balance. And therefore, I wanted to bring this topic to awareness of our audience. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. Dr. Rosina, what is compassion? Is it like having sympathy for other people's problems? There is a difference between sympathy and empathy. Do you understand that? No. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Not that much. So. Okay. so the sympathy, when you say, oh, poor this person, and empathy is actually trying to put yourself in the shoe of other how does it feel that person is feeling and and being present for that person so compassion is similar to empathy in certain ways and so i would describe compassion as being caring or having kindness in forgiving you can be compassionate. Have you ever seen like, you know, when you see a, a pet, you know, your dog, a cat, and you have this compassion for somebody who needs your help, a little baby. Mammals, we as mammals, we are wired to be caring because mammalian infants are born very vulnerable. They depend on this caring nature of mothers. So they respond to the warmth the tone of voice, the this shower of love and care. And so the compassion is that loving kindness that you show to other people when you feel that natural desire to be helpful and caring. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. I would like to ask our audience, who are they compassionate about? We would love to see your answers in the comments. Prasina, uh, while our audience, while they type in, why don't you tell us what is compassion fatigue? So sometimes when we start caring for other people, we go to extreme. So we go to so much extreme that there is no boundary. And when you are caring for others so much that you are sacrificing your self-care, then you start resenting. So I had uh, described a story in my book, Trust of Joy, about this woman I was talking to when I was on a flight going somewhere. And so I was, I, my book had just come out, a Stress to Joy book had just come out. And I was talking about how I feel stressed sometimes about doing the very thing that we feel is the purpose of life. And so she, she started telling me that she has elderly parents who live alone. So she goes and take care of them. Their house is having all these problems. So she is helping with the repairs and stuff. And so she's spending a lot of time over there. She also has children. So she spends time taking care of them. And she was going through a job transition. So she was taking care of her job. And so she is feeling really stressed and overwhelmed. So I said, what do you do for yourself? And she said, who has time? <laughs> I said, but if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be able to continue to take care of yourself. But she said, I just feel like, you know, if I take care of myself, that means I'm taking time away from taking care of people I love. And so I said, what did you used to do before? And she said, I used to write. And I said, so why don't you write? And he said, 
every time I sit down to write, I feel like, you know, I should take care of my parents or I should take care of my kids. And, and so I said, how do you feel about it? And she said, I'm feeling resentful. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling burnout. Uh, and so I said, see, like, you know, you, when you take care of yourself, in essence, you are actually taking care of them because if you don't take care of yourself, then you won't be there to take care of them. So there has to be this balance between self-care and others' care so that you can continue to practice care and compassion. Thank you, Dr. Zina. I know many healthcare professionals who, who have experienced compassion fatigue. Who else is at risk of developing compassion fatigue? And so let me also ask the audience over here, have you ever met anybody or you feel the compassion fatigue? Because many of our audiences are women and uh, in caretaking role. And so while you guys are answering, let me share that I have seen, I think every caring person is at risk, but the people who are more self-critical, who think that others care, sacrificing themselves for others is a great virtue, which is you want to care for others, but it has to be in balance. Anybody who is really caring and compassionate, most women, most mothers, most people in caregiving role are at risk. Thank you, Dr. Zina. Dr. Zina, is compassion a part of the happiness habits? Is it one of the happiness habits? Yes. So in our stress to joy system, we have identified seven habits that help you nurture your joy. And compassion is the first one. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. I remember that in one of the previous programs, somebody mentioned that self-compassion, it differs greatly among cultures. So one, what should one do if self-compassion is against their cultural values? And I remember that, yes. So self-compassion is a little different than self-indulgence. And many times people get confused because of those two things. Yeah, I was about to ask you, what is the difference between self-indulgence and self-compassion? Self-compassion is treating yourself as your best friend. Let me ask you, if a friend of yours comes and tells you, I'm feeling really bad today. I feel like I did this big mistake and now I am paying for it. How do you address that friend? So I'll just tell her that mistakes are a part of life. Just learn from your mistakes and move on. While it is important what you say, tell me how is your tone when you're talking to your friend who is suffering? I'm very compassionate. Right and you're kind and you're soft and you're warm, right? Sometimes if you're close by, you might say, let me give you a hug. Right? Yes, exactly. It'd be okay. Now think about when you do a mistake, what do you tell yourself in your mind? So I do a lot of critical self-talking. I just, you know, criticize myself that why you did that. Yeah, that is. And how is the tone of that voice? It's harsh. It's very harsh. Sometimes we use the words for ourselves that we would never use for other people. And so when we talk about self-compassion, it means treating yourself with the care and concern and kindness that you would treat 
a good friend of yours. That is very different than self-indulgence where you are focused so much on yourself that you don't care about anybody else. You feel you're on top of the world and you kind of almost are narcissistic and you are so much focused on taking care of yourself that you don't worry about how other people are feeling or what they are going through. So these are two different extremes. If you look closely, no culture would say that treat yourself the bad way you are treating yourself. No culture would say be cruel and be unkind and be unforgiving to yourself and take care of everybody else, right? So if you kind of look deeper, when you take care of yourself, when you are forgiving and compassionate with yourself, then that compassion would show to others. When you would do self-love and self-care and be kind to yourself, then kindness would show to others. Because what are we doing when you are trying to be really kind to other people and not kind to yourself? You are in conflict within yourself. And that shows up. So I would say, okay, the parents who are trying to show or teach their kids to be compassionate when they don't take care of themselves, what example we are setting for our kids. So you want to show and set example that you need to have this balance between others' care and self-care. Be compassionate about what others feel as well as you. I remember one, one exercise that Dr. Sooth does in his stress management program and, you know, how I teach doing the gratitude. And so he also teaches doing gratitude in the morning. And he says, visualize five people that have made a difference in your life. Appreciate them and be grateful to them. So tell me five people who you care about and you appreciate and you're grateful for Millie um, and I audience, please go ahead and put it in the comment section. Five people that you are grateful for in your life. My parents, mm -hmm. my elder sister, mm -hmm. my husband, mm -hmm. my niece mm -hmm. and nephew. Mm -hmm. So you counted five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Did you count yourself? No, I didn't. See, we didn't. don't. We don't. And so self-compassion means being grateful for yourself, for all your gifts, for being with you. So, so that's the difference, you know. So be grateful for yourself too. Thank you, Dr. Zina. That was, that was amazing. Dr. Zina, can you teach us some of the exercises to practice self-compassion? Sure. First, let me just tell you about one of my friends. Her name is Linda Pettit. Thank you, Linda. She always tells me that she does this loving kindness meditation every morning. And in that meditation, she sends the kind thoughts towards the people she cares about. And so she tells me that she sent the loving kindness towards me. And so I really appreciate that. But it's such a beautiful concept. When you are doing your morning prayers, when you're doing your morning gratitude, can you start doing or sending these loving kindness thoughts to people you care about? 
not only just the people you know, but, you know, you can send the loving prayers for people who are suffering. You know, there's so many people right now suffering from COVID, for, from political upheaval, from uh, financial difficulties. Sending loving kindness to them would be your compassion towards them. So you can develop this compassion for others by practicing what we call loving kindness meditation. The second thing that you want to do, what I was earlier saying, that be forgiving because everybody does mistake. Human beings, we are imperfect. So we cannot be perfect all the time. Forgive other people when they do mistake. A lot of times people say, okay, so if I forgive people, that means I'm giving them permission to do the mistake over and over again. So how would I correct them? I was listening to Kristen Neff. She is the researcher in the area of self-compassion. So as soon as you'll Google self-compassion, her talks would show up. And actually, I would recommend watching her TED talk on self-compassion. Very inspiring. So anyway, so she was talking about example of a kid coming home with the report that he has failed in math. Okay. Let's see. And the parent, the kid comes in and says, dad, I, dad or mom, I failed my math exam. Parent has two choice. Number one, what? You didn't practice for it. I am ashamed of you. Shame on you. You need to go practice more so you can pass next time. Go, draw, start working. Okay? So that's one example. Mm-hmm. One scenario. Tell me how would the kid feel? He won't feel good. He'll be sad. And yeah. And yeah. next time when he has some difficulty, I think he, he would not come it. and talk to you. Yeah. He, he won't share it with his parents. Yes. How would the father or mother feel in that situation? When you scream as a parent, when you scream at your kid. Um, Maternal, paternal guilt later on. I don't have kids, but, you know, my friends who have kids or the people I know who have kids, I have, they, when they scream at their kids, later on, I have seen them crying or, you know, telling me that they have this guilt. Right, right. And so on one hand, the parent may be screaming or shaming the kid, to make sure that the kid doesn't do the same mistake again, right? But the way it comes out can actually backfire. So let's see scenario two. The kid comes in and says, I, I'm feeling so bad, I failed my math exam, okay? The parent says, oh my God, you must be feeling so bad, right? Come here, let me give you a hug. What happened? How can I help you so that you can get better next time? How would the kid feel in that scenario? He'll feel better. He'll feel better and he'll share with his parents if something like that happens again. How would the parent feel? They'll also feel good. So that's the difference between showing compassion and kindness versus being cruel. (laughs) That's that's the only word that is coming to my mind. Being cruel, you know, even if your intention is good. Because as I said earlier, we as humans, as mammals, we are wired for responding to warmth and compassion and care. And so when you use the right tone of voice and when you say the right words and you show that compassion, not saying, oh, it's great that you fail. It's okay. Don't, you don't have to practice anymore. It's not a big deal. 
not like that, but having that balanced approach. What can I do to help you? Is there anything I can do to help you? How are you? So in that way, you can cultivate compassion for your loved ones. And then just flip the coin. Be the same way with yourself. When you realize that you have made a mistake, when you have failed something, instead of being that self-critic that we were talking earlier about, uh, be that kind and gentle person, caring friend. Instead of being harsh to yourself, thinking if I'm harsh to myself, if I'm cruel to myself, I would not do this mistake again. Be compassionate with yourself. Say, what can I do to improve? It's okay. It's okay. You know, nobody's perfect and I can learn from my mistake. And so that way you can cultivate the compassion for both others and for yourself. And there are many other things that you can do, but because of the limited time, we are going to keep to these these three, except this one thing that I want to bring. And that is, you know, compassion can only happen if you are aware. You see, let's say if you are passing by somebody who is hurt, okay, on the side of the road or where you're walking, somebody is hurt. If you don't notice that that person is hurt, you won't stop by. You would not feel the compassion, right? You have to see that person. That's when you realize, oh, this person is hurt. And then you would be compassionate towards that person and do whatever you can within your capacity, right? Yeah. So similarly, if you are not aware of that, you are suffering because when you are so self-critical, when you don't take care of yourself, and I have seen this a lot of times with caring professionals, with caregivers, that they don't even feel that they are feeling stress. They don't even feel that they are becoming overwhelmed. They don't realize until it turns into a physical symptom that they cannot continue any further. So becoming aware is necessary for you to develop that self-compassion. So I'll tell you a story that happened with me. One time I was having a lot of back pain, okay? And I was seeing patients and one of the nurses who was my patient, she was saying, you know, she is feeling so bad. She's having so much trouble, but she doesn't have time to go to her doctor's appointment. And she feels really bad about making doctor's appointment. And so here she is saying all these things and I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling exactly the same thing. I'm having this back pain. I really need to go work my chiropractic appointment. And, but I feel really guilty if I had to cancel my patients because then they would suffer. So then I keep pushing myself and I was delaying my own doctor's appointment. So, and so as I was taking care of her, that patient who was also happened to be a nurse, I was kind of giving her all these advices in terms of, okay, what if you do this? What if you do that? And, you know, it was all flowing out. And in my mind, I'm saying, Rosina, you need to hear yourself. <laughs> So that weekend, I sat down and started journaling. And so I started, I did a journal, which later on I call a self-dialogue journal. And I've helped, I've uh, shared it in my Stress to Joy program and helped a lot of patients with it. And I've seen it really helping. But that day, I wrote the first time a self-dialogue journal. 
because I realized that I was a really good advisor to others. But when it comes to myself, it is hard. So I wrote a dialogue between a doctor and a patient. I was the patient and then I was the doctor. And I was saying that I feel so frustrated and overwhelmed. I'm having so much back pain and I don't even have the time to take care of myself. I feel like I'm stuck in the web of my own creation. Because I had created my own web, right? And so I'm kind of advising. So what can you do to get it better? And so maybe you can take a time off. No, I don't feel good about, you know, taking too much time off. It feels like self-indulgence. The self-care felt self-indulgent at that time. Oh, I cannot afford to take too much time off because, you know, financially I, I was not in that position to take time off at that time. What can I do? And so I did this dialogue. Yes, but yes, but was kind of coming up. But in that dialogue, as the patient kept on saying, okay, these are the problems. As a doctor, I kept on advising. And by the end of that journaling session, I felt that. I felt a big burden off my children because I had come up with the solution. And at that time, the solution was, okay, I can't take the whole day off, but I can adjust my schedule so that every few Fridays, I would cluster my patients and take two hours, combine my lunch hours for three hours gap so that I can go and do my doctor's appointment. And so going forward, I was able to change my schedule like that. Although it took another month for me to change the schedule like that, but I felt empowered. Instead of feeling victim that I can't do anything, I felt empowered that, no, I can do something. So again, that would be a great exercise for people out there who feel like they feel victim, they feel like stuck in the web of your own creation, or you want to be caregiver, you want to be caring, but that is overwhelming you. If you do exercises like that, you will be able to empower yourself and you'll be able to prevent compassion fatigue. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. Dr. Rosina, what will happen if we practice these self-compassion exercises? Right. So if you, before I even go, what would happen if they, if you practice, but if you don't practice, if you don't practice compassion and kindness, both to others, if you don't practice compassion and kindness for others, you will feel empty. You will feel lonely. You'll have hate. You'll have narcissism. And so if you don't practice compassion, you won't be able to be happy. And if you don't practice compassion for yourself, then like I was saying, you'll feel irritable, you'll feel overwhelmed, and you would not be able to fulfill the purpose of your life with the joy that you could. But if you do practice this compassion with balance, compassion for others as well as yourself, then you would be happy and you would be able to be the best you could be in both in your life and for others. Thank you, Dr. Zina. Dr. Zina, Afshin has a question. She's asking, due to Corona, parenting has become even tougher. Aggression, frustration, blame game is all a part of it and has quadrupled. Uh, what are your tips for parents and kids to cope? Well, again, you answering, you are answering yourself. Uh, thank you, Afshin, for asking. I think I not sympathize with you, but I feel for you. I feel the compassion for you because I'm also a parent. And, you know, we are, our work was already busy. Demands were already high and we were already struggling. 
this COVID has put this additional responsibility of being the parent who's doing homeschooling, let's say, because we have to be there for our kids. And depending on the age of the kid, you know, the younger kids require more attention and more time. And while you have to balance their care with your care and your work, so there are a lot of these things happening. And there's no easy flip coin solution. But what you can do is develop this journaling practice so that you can identify, like I was saying, I did this self-dialogue journal that helped me come to grounds, being kind to myself, that it's okay to feel overwhelmed. You are not perfect. And if somebody is shaming you, they are also not perfect because they are addressing the issue the way they know how to address. And you are trying to address the issue the way you can. So neither the people who are blaming you or judging you or being frustrated with you, it's not their mistake. The kids who are being more uh, demanding, it's not their mistake. They're also imperfect. And yourself, who's trying the best, and it's not your mistake. So being compassionate, being forgiving, and allowing, you know, acknowledging, and then taking steps to calm your own reactivity down. So that's why we've been talking about a lot of one-minute exercises because you don't have sit, uh, time to sit down and do the 45 minutes or an hour of meditation, which would definitely help. But you can uh, spare one minute in between while you are doing things. While you are parenting the kid, try to become mindful in that moment and see what is the kid's need at this time. Why is the person kid acting out at this time? And so that would allow you to connect and calm and then do the best you can. And it's still not going to be, it's not going to be perfect. And so it's again going to be a learning lesson, but every day would be a new opportunity to learn and modify and adjust. And in that process, being kind. If something works, great. If something doesn't work, be forgiving to yourself, be kind and move on and try different things. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. That was really helpful. Dr. Rosina, would you like to give any take home message? Yes. One, cultivate compassion with awareness. Be kind and forgiving to others and to yourself and keep this balance between other care and self-care. So you could be the best caring, compassionate person you are, and you can feel the happiness and joy and that satisfaction that comes with it. Thank you, Dr. Zina. And would you like to share any resource today with our audience? So yes, so if people do sign up for the gifts, by texting word joyful to 38470. We're going to add a PDF of the seven habits of highly happy and effective people. That's part of the stress to joy system. It's represented with the acronym COMPASS. And so I'll be sharing that with people. Thank you, Dr. Rosina. We'll end today's program with Dr. Rosina's special. But before that, let me tell you that our guest for next program is Dr. Michael Goran, who is author of the book, Sugar Proof. He is running a community-wide seven-day sugar-free challenge, which is designed to provide simple steps to reduce sugar in your diet 
for you and your family. So let's end today's program with Dr. Rosina special. Thank you, Dr. Rosina, and thank you everyone for joining. All right, so the, for today's special is dedicated for all the people who are suffering and who have lost a loved one at any time, but especially during this COVID-19 pandemic, because there's millions of people we have lost, but all the family members, they feel the grief inside. So today's special, today's special is dedicated to all of them. I want to ask the audience, have you struggled with memories of any loved one in your life? And if you are a spiritual minded person, this technique is going to help you. It has helped a lot of my patients and it has helped me. And I picked up this special because um, today I am really missing my father. Usually I don't share spiritual concepts in these programs because I'm a doctor and I want to reach out to people wherever they are and whatever their belief systems is. So, you know, when you love somebody and you lose them, it is very hard. And whenever you think about them, you may start having the tears and it's okay it's okay to cry and it's okay to miss them because many times people say okay don't cry don't cry or don't think about forget about it but you know the people you have lived with all your life when you lose them it is not easy to forget them so you are going to miss them it is normal part of grief and it's okay to cry and let it out. But then what do you do to come to peace with that grief? So this exercise may help you. So, and especially if you think that this life is a journey of soul, this exercise is going to help you. So imagine that there is this passage, okay? There is an entry and then there is an exit. And all the souls come to this phase. They're entering this phase. Sometimes they come and travel parallel. Sometimes they get distant. And then when they reach the second, the other side of the passage, they move on. So you and your loved one, their souls came in this life. They traveled parallel or at distance get together separate and when it came time for them to reach the other side they just crossed over so the soul has just crossed over to another state so in that another state the internet is not really good so you're not able to facetime them or talk to them but you know that they are there. their souls are there so every time you remember them and you miss them send them this loving kindness prayer for their soul. And remember, if you love them, you want them to be happy, right? If that soul is seeing you, what would make that soul happy? Would they be happy if you are breaking down and just giving up on life and not doing anything? Or would that soul be happy if they see the smile on your face and they see that you're doing the best in your life? So make that soul happy, send that loving prayer, and that would allow you to cope with the grief of loss of loved ones. On that note, stay happy and healthy. Next time.